0: Two to five years to live, that's it, that's it. And that was originally, you know, you're looking to hear what they're gonna say. And Mm -hmm. they kept saying it was really bad. So then they said two to five years to live. And then I said, so what about if I take treatment? And they said, even with the treatment, you still only have two to five years to live.
1: I'm Jackie Reed, Emmy award winning journalist, longtime TV and radio host and vegan. I created this podcast to give you tips on how easy, delicious, inexpensive, healthy, and fun eating vegan can be. We'll also talk wellness and just how we can make the world a better place. This is the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Reed. My guest today is someone who is near and dear to my heart. Donna Green Goodman is a vegan cooking instructor, wellness coach and breast cancer survivor who gives us an insight look at how she transformed her health by eating plant-based and leaning into some other holistic medical treatments. Her story is an inspiration to anyone struggling with a scary diagnosis or just looking to prevent a scary diagnosis. Now Donna makes her living helping people change the way they think about food and helping them see it as medicine. Let's get to it. welcome to the vegan sexy cool podcast thank you so much you know I follow you on every social media space that you have (laughs) so much i follow you too I'm so excited to uh, finally have you on the podcast especially during the month of October and I see you have your pink on before we get into all of that I have to ask you how are you doing lady with everything that's going on in the world with COVID and everything Uh, I'm I've decided to just walk by faith.
0: I, I don't know what else to do. We lost um, loved ones to COVID. Yeah. Um, just this past week, we lost a niece unexpectedly to something else. Our business has been impacted. So I'm walking by faith and trying to um, stay full of hope and um, not be close to a lot of people because we have this clinic where we're taking care of patients. So, you know,
1: yeah. Are you all still operating as like patients are coming in to see? Yeah. Patients are coming in before
0: COVID we could see sometimes three to four per hour. But when COVID, when, when they locked us down here in Alabama and we started calling patients, they were terrified. They did not want to come in. So we rearranged things so that we just see one patient per hour. Okay. And that has made a big difference. And then all of my cooking stuff that I'm doing, I stopped it in the office and I'm doing everything online. So that has worked. And um, my husband gets to spend a different kind of time with the patients. Mm. So that's good. Yeah. Um, and we're just rolling with it. I mean, America didn't do what they were supposed to do relative to you know shutting stuff down. So what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Yeah,
1: walk by faith, like you said. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. Well, I want to give you a big congratulations because is this 21 years cancer-free? I'm in mean 25. 25! Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, that, is, that is such a milestone um, for you. And since it is October, and I talk Yay! about you all the time, I'm always talking about your story when I talk to people and I'm trying to convince them that you know, eating a vegan diet can really change their health and their future um, when it comes to their health. And I always tell your story, Um, but I want you to tell it for this audience because 25 years ago you got this diagnosis and I believe you were given two to five years to live? Two to five years to live, that's it. That's it. And that was originally, you
0: know, you're looking to hear what they're gonna say and Mm -hmm. they kept saying it was really bad. So then they said two to five years to live and then I said, so what about if I take treatment? And they said, even with the treatment, you still only have two to five years to live. And at the time I was diagnosed, they wanted me to do a stem cell transplant and the insurance company didn't pay for it. So they were expecting me literally to to go ahead with it with the hope that they would find someone to pay for it later on. And still knowing that I only had two, five years to live with all of that.
1: Right, uh. And so you decided, because if correct me if I'm wrong, they wanted you to do stem cell, radiation, and, chemo, Two and of chemo. A round of chemo first, then
0: stem cell transplant, another round of chemo, then radiation, and then tamoxifen.
1: And you said, after what, one treatment of radiation, you were like, I'm not doing this. Well, I decided that I wasn't going to do anything but radiation.
0: Okay. And then they, they, they recommended six weeks of radiation. I did three and that was going every day, driving down to Emory hospital in Atlanta every day. And I did three weeks and was ready to stop. And my family convinced me to stay another week. So I stayed another week, came home, scraped everything off, yeah. got in the tub. And I'm like, God, it's in your hands. I, I can't do this anymore. My breast felt like someone had lit a match inside of me and I was burning from the inside.
1: Oh, my goodness. And so you decided to try a more holistic route. What why was that something that occurred to you, Donna? Well, my my
0: undergrad training is homemade nutrition. So I've always leaned towards the impact of nutritious choices on one's life. And then my graduate work was done at Loma Linda University where they um, um, started what's called the Adventist Health Study that looks at Seventh-day Adventist compared to the rest of the world. And my best friend and I were there, she was an epidemiology major at the time. So she was like in the middle of this study with Dr. Phillips who had started it. And so remembering all of that, that I learned, and I had just worked at Morehouse School of Medicine teaching people how not to get cancer of all types. And I wasn't focused on breast cancer. I was literally helping them reduce their risk for whatever type of cancer, mm-hmm. for the factors, risk factors that they could change because you can't change you know, your color, your age, all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: And when the doctors didn't offer me hope with, with what we term traditional medicine, I started looking at, well, what else can I do? And a lot of people call plant-based eating, vegan eating, Alternative, but it's really not. It, it, it is an integral part of primary health care, but it's not something that um, we use to really impact disease. Right. And so I started looking at how can this really impact my disease? If I've been telling these people this and now I'm not doing it, what's wrong? And right. that is what led me to really research it. And that's when I found this study that was being done by the National Cancer Institute. And he was talking about all this amazing stuff with phytochemicals. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on. And one of the things that drew me to it was tamoxifen was supposed to um, get to my breast cancer, breast cells and block estrogen. But the side effects were tremendous. And as I began to, to follow this guy's work, he was saying that in the lab, soy products were doing the same thing. And so I'm figuring, well, why don't I just drink me some soy milk or give me some tofu? And you know, it's a challenge when people start um, deciding whether they're going to eat tofu or not. But when you go to Asian restaurants, it's in everything. Yeah. So i are already eating it. And so yeah. that's what kind of drove me to do it. I was, I was working um, in public health still. and And the roles that I played were to show people how to make the lifestyle choices that they need. And so that's what drove me to do it.
1: Now, how drastic of a, was, uh, of a diet change for you? How were you eating before you made this decision? I was already a lacto-ovo
0: vegetarian, meaning that I did eggs and milk okay. and had done that all my life. And literally right before I was diagnosed, my husband and son were like, you don't need to be drinking that milk. Why are you still drinking that milk? And I only did it once a week, you know, for cereal. Um, it gassed me. So I didn't like to drink a lot of it, but I love cheese. And so, you know, you know how that is. I (laughs) I, I hear you. So, so the, the shift to totally plant-based, I was a little closer to it than a lot of people are, Mm. but I still had to decide because it was a struggle to give up the products the main products and other foods that had those products in them when I loved them so much. Mm So yeah, I went from lacto-ovo to to vegan plant-based.
1: And not only did you go to vegan plant-based, but you also went a more whole foods uh, route with that. Talk about that. So you weren't eating, because you can eat plant-based and eat some of the worst foods you know, that, that are out there in that category of food, but you also ate a healthier diet in general.
0: Yeah. I did a lot more whole foods. Um, and my reputation as a good cook was challenged, not with the whole foods, but with the seasoning of the whole foods, because so much of what we eat prior to becoming a a part of this dietary is is um, driven by sodium and sugar and the things that come with cheese and the addictive properties of it and all that taste and so when you take that out of the diet it's like okay what's my food gonna taste like now Mm -hmm. and so I literally we put our trash can to the refrigerator emptied out the stuff that we knew we weren't gonna eat anymore and my husband and son are standing by okay so now you're on what you gonna do Mm -hmm. and I started cooking more whole foods without the animal products, because we had always eaten fairly healthy and and learning how to season them. And at the time I was living in Atlanta, um, my son was still in elementary school, but when we homeschooled him in high school, we would go to the DeKalb Farmers Market together and we would just purchase the stuff and purchase it in season. And I'm teaching him because we were homeschooling, and literally showing him how to get the best produce. And after a while, it was at the place where he didn't even want me to pick the stuff out when I went because I wasn't picking it out the way I taught him how to do it. Right. And so being able to choose foods, and so many of the foods, Jackie, are what we eat culturally, but we mess them up by the way we prepare them. Yeah. And so it, it wasn't a hard stretch. It The, the test was my family, saying it was okay. And if they didn't like it, I went back in the kitchen and then I came back with something else that was better. And they didn't fight about it a lot. Sometimes they just left it on the plate and I knew don't make that no more ever again.
1: (laughs) And because of that, you have quite the recipe book of you know, just some great, great classic foods like mac and cheese and collard greens and cornbread. And I think you have biscuits, Um, you know, that you just kind of figured out how to veganize these things in your kitchen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Literally,
0: the first book I wrote was immediately like three years after my diagnosis, Um, something to shout about. And those were more healthy, but not cultural and healthy right and so when i shared that book you know people were excited about it and you know glad to make the changes but i was doing a project with the office of minority health in atlanta Mm -hmm. and we were at morehouse for some event and we were tasting stuff and i had made a banana pudding that had tofu in it and the president of morehouse school of medicine kept coming back he just kept coming back to the table (laughs) you know and i'm like does he know what's in this yeah, And people begin to ask me, well, how do you make the mac and cheese, the stuff that we like to eat? Yeah. And so the second book, I focused on those sorts of things for my people because yeah. of the way they represent disease and the fact that so many of them are told that this is all slave food and you don't need to eat this slave food. Well, it's not all slave food. A lot of the food is what we ate on the plantation. Yeah. But a lot of the plant foods that, that we ate there that we brought from Africa are amazing and beneficial to us. And so that's when I started working on that and doing demonstrations. And then the tide kind of turned and, and the people were like, OK, I can do this.
1: Yeah. Well, I want to talk about before I want to get back to the food, but I want to just go back to um, your deci- your holistic approach to dealing with the breast cancer, and it wasn't just what you ate, um, you went to this facility in nor- Northern Georgia, I think you told me about. Tell me about some of the other treatments okay. um, that you underwent.
0: Okay, Wildwood well, Lifestyle Center and Hospital is where I went for care, and they've been in existence since 1945, helping people to address all disease by showing them how to make healthier choices. And today, literally, there's a whole specialty in medicine called lifestyle medicine. where where physicians and other health professionals can be certified in in what they're calling peer reviewed, scientifically sound data that assures you when you make these choices, it'll be different. So for me, they put me on a plant-based diet and they used herbs. Usually when you're diagnosed with cancer, they're going to um, give you the medication, but the medication that they decided to use were herbal properties. Some of it was like um, red clover tea, garlic, Mm because of the way those things shrunk tumors. So that was a big part. Once he wrote he out my plan, I went to the herbacy and got the herbs and I used to drink the herbs every day. Mm-hmm. The other thing was abundant walking sunshine and fresh air. And there's a, a thing that I share when I do presentations on it, that talks about the value of exercise and helping to reduce the estrogen load on the body so that you don't recur. So we did that, we walked after every meal. We did it outside in the sunlight, because we all know now the value of um, vitamin D, and the sun is the only natural source of getting the vitamin D, and that being on every cell in the body boosts immunity, and one thing that I discovered was it also helps to shrink tumors, so they had uh, like a spa for men and women, and, and the women could go in their section and just be butt naked and lay out there in the sun and get all the sun they wanted. And then of course, the value of fresh air, bringing oxygen to the blood outside, under the trees, by the water was very important. So we did that every day. Mm -hmm. Um, Hydrotherapy was the use of water in helping to boost the body's immune system. And um, they had what's called a Hubbard tank that's like the size of a bathtub, except it's up on wheels. And they filled it with hot water, they set me in there and they wanted me to sit in the water and, and the, the motor is running so it's bubbling until my temperature, internal temperature reached a certain number, somewhere between 102, 103, and they wanted me to keep it there for a number of minutes. And the reason they wanted to do that is because many times when we are exposed to a virus like corona, the way the body responds is to spike a fever. And we work really hard to bring the fever down But the whole purpose of the fever is to alert the body's immune system that something is wrong. Mm. And the cancer in my body had bypassed the immune system so that literally it didn't see the cancer as an invader anymore. Mm. And so this was a way of, of triggering the body's immune system. And once it's triggered, it literally starts to multiply the white blood cells that are in the body who start to scavenge through the system. So we tried to get a treatment like that in every day. And then my period ended up coming on, so I couldn't get in the water, but they did a similar one, which was a hot and cold contrast bath. So you're in a shower, 12 nozzles, and they're doing hot water for three minutes and then cool water for 30 seconds and they go back and forth. And at the end of either of those treatments, you feel uh, uh, an immediate um, increase in your heart rate. The circulation is improved. Your skin turns red. We would get a massage after that. And and, it, and we all know that when we're massaging the lymphatic system, that's helping to get rid of poisons that are in the body. And mm-hmm. so I did that with regularity. Um, two of the things that were challenging for me was rest because I was used to staying up late at night. But, but by the time you were at the end of the day, you were ready to go to bed. And I'm talking like 8.30, 9 o'clock, you were just out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then the other thing that they talked to us about was was relationships and stress management and how that impacts your body's ability to fight disease and there's a lot of science now 25 years later that shows that this constant fight and flight that a lot of us are exposed to messes with our our system and our body is used to responding you you're from Atlanta you know driving on 285 every day can really get to you and and If if you're sitting on 285 on your way to to Ashford Dunwoody to to the mall and there's a car accident or or something almost hits you, your body responds and it's trying to get you out of it. And if you live there, you know that you can get off of 285, drive some other roads to get to where you need to go. But if you're on 285 every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, being exposed to all this, your body is sending adrenaline to get you out of a situation but you're never able to get out of it. So the body keeps sending, keeps sending, keeps sending. And so I had some decisions to make about my work ethic, my exercise ethic, my diet ethic. And Yay. the beauty of this place is, it's not hocus pocus, willy nilly. There, there are, are um, um, board certified physicians and nurses and dietitians on staff, and they do lab work. And at the beginning of your time there, you can stay as little as 10 days, as long as 21, they measure things. And before you get ready to go, they measure again. And literally to see the improvement in all your labs is like this big miracle. And for people like me, I I had not gotten on any medication yet, but people show up there with with, um, hypertensive drugs and all kinds of stuff. And they're literally able to back them up off of the medication dependence. And and because they're physicians, when you go back home, you literally can have your physician talk to them if you want to. And then they're familiar with other physicians around the country who believe in and practice lifestyle medicine the way that they do.
1: So you stayed there, what, about 10 days? I was there for 10 days. And then when you when you left, what how were you able to maintain what you needed as far as like hydrotherapy and things like that? Like, what did you do once you got home? Okay, so I didn't expect that. <laughs> my husband went to tuskegee
0: and um i'm sure you're familiar with the limitations of black universities mm-hmm. and, and when, when he went, at university okay so. <laughs> so when he went to tuskegee um the teachers were intensive i taught at two hbcus i know what we try to do you know breaking bricks out of straw yes. and one of the things that that they learned was hydrotherapy the exact treatment that i was given at wildwood my husband knew how to do, but he never did it because physical therapy didn't use hydrotherapy that way anymore. Mm. So when I came home from Wildwood, I didn't want to die. So I was going to do whatever I had learned to do. And at the time, like you, I still had those chemicals in my hair back then. Yeah. (laughs) We made the jump And um, (laughs) because the water is so involved. Um, you can mess your hair up so every six weeks when i was getting a relaxer we would do like 10 days of the same treatment so my hair would be fresh if i needed to go anywhere and i would he would just manage to care and and in our bathroom we had a big sauna tub i get down in there and he's there watching me giving me ice cold water making sure i don't pass out we get out he give me a pt massage and i rest for a little while and right. that's how i was able to keep it up and then he began to see how he could use the same modalities on the patients he saw in physical therapy that were literally helping patients to cancel um, amputations of legs and toes due to diabetes. Because because when you have necrotic tissue and stuff on the foot, or if you're in the early stages of diabetic neuropathy, it's not that you need medication or an amputation. What you need is for those blood vessels to be cleaned out And when a patient decides to make the dietary changes like we have, and he applies the treatment, all that stuff comes back like it's supposed to. And people whose feet have turned black, they're back to the normal color. You can see the blood flowing back and they have full use of the limb.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you were able to kind of replicate to the best of your ability, which was pretty good once you got home, what you got from that facility. Absolutely. Absolutely. and then when did you know, Donna, that, I, I mean, I would assume that you're going to the doctor, oncologist on a regular basis. When did you know that you were cancer free? Like how well, long?
0: The oncologist, um, I didn't stay with them long because they were not okay. happy with my choice. Okay. But I stayed with my surgeon. And when I quit my radiation, the radiation doctor wasn't happy either. So I just stayed with the, the surgeon. And I want to say every three to six months, I'm getting blood checks, and then I would go back for her to interpret them to me. The first one that I really remember was six months later in December of '96. And I went back, and she said that things had worsened and she wanted me to come back and do the treatment. And so I'm like, okay, something's wrong, but I'm not going to do any treatment. I'm gonna keep living. And I kept living. And three months later, it was time for another check, and I got all the blood work. And when I got there, Jackie, I was impressed to ask her to see my records. And when I asked her to see them, and I'm looking at them now, I could see where my numbers were in May of 96, where they were in December of 96, and where they are now in March, April of 97. And the truth was, in, 90, in, in December of 96, my numbers were back in the normal range. And now we are three months later and they're further back in the normal range. So I'm asking her now, so what is this? Right. Why did she tell you that? Well, she said that because I didn't do the treatment, she couldn't say that I was cured. And if I had done the treatment and gotten these results, then she would say that I was. So I'm like, but the numbers are better now. Not to mention all the other stuff that was getting better. I mean, everything in my life was getting better. But she looked at me and said, I don't want you to tell people that if they change how they live, it can improve their health. What? And then she actually did a, um, I agreed to it. Um, They wanted to know, could they follow me? This was before the December check. Uh Could they follow me because of what I was doing? And they came to my house and we walked with the TV people. They came to my church while it was packed during service and they followed me down to the altar, all that sort of stuff. And then I look at the show when it's aired on TV and she looks in the camera and says, we don't want you to do what Donna did. What? Yes. So I'm like, okay, Jesus, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to keep walking by faith and doing what I'm supposed to do because usually the blood work is, is the test. Right. And, and if it's clear that my numbers were this high and they are dropping every time you test my blood, I'm headed toward cure, but that's not what they would agree to. So I, I didn't visit her a lot more after that. And five years later, my husband and I get ready to do the peach tree to celebrate. And she ran into him and she told him that she still wanted me to come back and do the chemo
1: five years later. What? Five years later. Like no acknowledgement that five years later you're running a peach tree road race. No. Nothing from her.
0: How's Donna doing? It? Eddie's like she's fine. You know, I really wish she'd come back and do the chemo. So I what I didn't understand was what would be the point of doing the chemo if there is no clinical um indicator for it. I mean, that's that's like giving a diabetic medication when, when his blood sugars are normal. You can't do right.
1: that. So oh goodness
0: yeah so i then decided that i was going to use the doctors at wildwood as my primary care and we ended up opening a clinic and the same doctor who took care of me there began to see patients for us at our clinic and um i had a scare um maybe two 12 15 years ago uh-huh. and i've got friends who are physicians and they're like nana you need to get this checked so i went in because there was another lump in the same breast but it turns out that it was scar tissue.
1: Mm. And
0: no one had described um, how invasive scar tissue could become mm-hmm. because you, you, your, your cancer is here, you have surgery under here, so you think most of the scar tissue would be here. This scar tissue had showed up underneath the breast. And maybe um, last year, we were finally able to identify that a lot of the problems that I was having with my shoulder and my back and my hip were related to scar tissue that had literally twisted my spine and my hip. We have a friend who's in PT in Atlanta who specializes in women's health. And my husband had been doing everything he knew to do. We kept looking for you know, stuff online in his PT courses and couldn't find it. And she was a specialist for that. And she got this little tool and went straight to where my scar tissue was and just started scraping away at the spot. And you could feel it just kind of release itself. And while she was doing it, my shoulder went up in the air. And then she laid me on my stomach and she realized that my hip was twisted. And I have been saying that I had like three or four falls. I had broken my ankle.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and I'm, I'm asking doctors what's going on, but no one ever related it to scar tissue. Yeah. So this scar tissue from the radiation and the surgery has enveloped this right side. Um, and that, I think, is one thing that my girlfriend, who's also a survivor, talks about. That once you get through all the treatment and they give you the green light for the rest of your life, you're still like, okay, what was that? All right, what is this?
1: Yeah, yeah. And,
0: and they don't often talk about that part.
1: Oh, uh, I might imagine. Well, oh boy, what a journey. And it it's just incredible to me that you had the wherewithal to just follow your gut, right? And walk by faith and just know and believe that you're doing the right thing. Because a lot of times for so many of us, we look to doctors as the ones who make the final decision as to what's going to happen with our health, right? We look to them because they're the experts. So so we think. Right. They're the experts in medicine. They're not the experts in
0: health. Mm. And two different things. And um, I was doing an interview the other day and I said, and I'm sure you would fall into this category just by the interactions we've had. When you're in Macy's or wherever you shop, you don't buy the first pair of shoes that you see.
1: Mm-mm.
0: You gonna look and try and is the heel right and is it wide enough or is yes. it, you know, is my toe gonna be out too much or whatever and is the price right? And that's the exact same thing we should do when we look for medical care, yeah. but we don't do that. And I think that also began to um, hurt me as I went through the system because there are a lot of people who have less education, less exposure to experiences in life and they're going to do whatever the doctor says without questioning them when there's so much information that says if you decide to do chemotherapy and stem cell and all that stuff do it knowing that it's not going to keep you from getting more cancer what it's doing literally is is killing the cancer that is present because a risk factor for breast cancer is not chemotherapy And so when we talk about diabetes and heart disease and all those things, we aim at the risk factors. So why wouldn't we do the same thing for breast cancer or prostate cancer or colon cancer or anything like that? And physicians are not trained in that area. So you need to look for a lifestyle medicine physician, a primary care doctor who can work with someone that way to help you reduce your risk. So if you just choose to do the chemotherapy and all of that, also make the lifestyle changes. And I've run into women in the last couple of weeks who said that they went ahead and they did the chemo, but then they would come home and they would be golfing down herb tea, like black people, you know, we'd be doing them herbs and they would get in the tub and they put Epsom salts and all that sort of stuff to pull the poison out Yeah, because you know that it's the, it's the choices that got you there. And so when a physician is able to include that in in his plan of care i think that's when you actually get the best care
1: Mm. now i have to ask you this because i saw on social media there was a woman in this like a a facebook group for for vegans Mm -hmm. um and she wrote on there and it was it was really um it was, it was kind of sad what, what she said, it was heartbreaking. She was saying that she had been diagnosed and forgive me for not knowing the specifics of what stage and what type of cancer, but she said she had been diagnosed and she just wanted everybody to know that eating vegan was not going to prevent um, you know, cancer from coming into your life. And I, I don't know how long she uh, had been vegan Um, or anything, but I just want to know your reaction when people say things like that, or what your reaction is to something like that.
0: There's, there is nothing that is a hundred percent going to keep you from dying Mm -hmm. because we were born and we're going to die. The more choices that you make that are healthy, you're going to increase what some physician friends of mine are now calling health span. And eating a plant-based diet, exercising, going to sleep, not drinking alcohol, all of those things significantly reduce your risk. But Jackie, the one thing that has been um, consistent in these last 25 years in the women that I have met and my own self included, that they don't talk about when it comes to to breast cancer is stress. Mm. And I'm telling you, the, the women that I have met have either been one good good friend single never married but had just taken personal um leave from her job because she was so stressed right before she was diagnosed other women that i have met have been in abusive relationships with men and 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 there are people who are doing healthy choices but that stress yeah is not allowing all the health that you're bringing into your system to do what it's supposed to do. So as a public health educator, it's kind of hard for me to hear, it doesn't matter if you're vegan or not. Yeah. Aside from all the other things that you could also look at that would impact it as well.
1: Yeah. Well, what do you say to your patients, Donna? Because for so many of us, particularly Black women um, and Black men too, stress just seems to be a part of life. What advice do you give to your patients when, when, when you see that they, or you hear that they have some source of stress, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's money, um, whether it's their health, how do you tell them to manage that stress?
0: We had a patient who is probably in her, I'd say mid seventies now. And she actually went to Wildwood to address hypertension and diabetes. And she did exceptionally well. She came back home and she had finished her time at our clinic. And then she called us and she needed to come back because she was in pain again. And so when she got there, I was there one day and I had a conversation with her because I had talked about it before in her mid seventies, she's been married to this man now who's a minister and they've been married 50 years and he's abusive, Mm. emotionally abusive. Her children know about it. She knows about it. And she sat there and shared it with me. And so I told her, you have some decisions to make. The same way that Donna had to look at my own life and change my work and 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 my goals. Because a lot of times for women and Black women, we're trying to do everything that we believe we're gifted to do at one time. And I couldn't do it all anymore and live. So I I, I quit my job and I had no prospect of anything else, but I knew that I was trying to live and that I wanted to raise my son. And I leaned into my faith and God provided. This woman literally looked me in my eyes and said, it's not gonna get any better, is it? I said, well, what do you think you should do? She said, I think I'm gonna have to leave. Okay, and it's not my job to tell them what to do as much as facilitate them making their own choices. So her daughters, she's got four of them, they're all like, come on, mom, you can come here, you can come here, you can come here. And she went with one of the daughters and the daughter texts me maybe a week after she'd been there, all of her levels are back in the normal range. Wow. And so we cannot change this racism that we face every single day. And so having the healthiest body that you have, can have, I think makes you more mentally clear and able to respond to it. And those are, again, some of the things that you cannot change.
1: Mm-hmm. And then for
0: the things that you can change, change them. If, if you, I mean, I was so sad last year when Tom jordan went off the air. I'm like, what am I gonna do, okay? All right. I was like, what am I going to do? But here we are, and you've got this beautiful podcast now that you wouldn't have had the way that you're doing it. Those of us who are in COVID, we, we garden here, but I haven't canned food in 25 years. Mm. I've been canning all summer long, right. and, and now I have stuff from the garden and the farmer's market that's ready. And so yesterday I watched an interview by an adopted son who, who interviewed another girl who's like an adopted daughter. And she was saying she, she's experienced some marital rejection in her life. And she said, when we look at the rejection as the end or the, 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 the angst or the anxiety or whatever as the end, instead of God rerouting us to something better,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then we can't let go of that. And so I don't get dressed anymore with heels and all that to go to work, but I'm, I'm at work with my patients.
1: Yeah.
0: Our our health is as, as it is, I have peace at night. And when you're facing death, there are some things that money just, it doesn't matter anymore because if I'm dead, I can't do nothing with that money. And so what's the best way for me to be alive, change the things that you can that, that are definitely stress related, and then change the way you interact with the things that are stress-related that you cannot change physically. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be basically what you do. And, I mean, something as simple as when I decided to go to bed at night, I told my friends, y'all can stay at the house, but I'm going upstairs to go to bed. Yeah. And I wasn't pressed anymore to be the consummate entertainer because I, I, I want to continue to live and not, the Bible says, I will live and not die. And proclaim what the lord has done the lord has chased me severely but he's not giving me over to death and that's what i wanted to be able to do mm. and so i looked at my stress as an opportunity to make a different decision and trust that god would take care of it for me okay okay
1: let me let me continue um talking about faith with you i know this is very important to you what does the bible say about a plant-based diet because people will tell you jesus was eating fish or fed the people fish and we're supposed to eat this meat and that meat it's in the bible what do you say to that okay
0: um some of the stuff that i see online now kind of makes me crazy when it comes to a plant-based diet because because there's a recent article that came out that the largest population who are going plant-based look like you and me yes okay all that Okay, but if you pay attention to the way it's marketed, you would think it was them. Right. The original plant-based diet was in the Garden of Eden. That's what God told Adam and Eve to eat. Fruits, nuts, grains. After sin, when he put them out, then he said, eat the herb of the field, which are the vegetables. For 2,000 years, they were plant-based. Mm. And they lived almost 1,000 years a person. Okay. Then when he was tired of them and decided to send the flood, after the flood came, he said, because there is no grass and everything now, I'm going to let you eat the meat. But he didn't say that you had to always eat the meat.
1: Mm-hmm. And a
0: lot of folk get stuck on, well, he said we could eat this. But he said we could eat this because there was no <laughs> vegetation. <laughs> so when the vegetation came back, did we need to keep eating the meat? In one generation, between Noah and his son, 350 years were lost just with the addition of flesh. But when you read in the Bible, God is clear that there are some animals he says you can eat, others not to. But the one thing that he says that never changed is never should you eat the blood or the fat. And so when we have patients at our clinic who are like, I just can't do it. I I can't do it. I'll cut back, but I can't do it. I'm like, so then eat kosher meat because kosher meat doesn't have the blood or the fat. And in public health, we now know that the fat is what triggers so much of the disease that we experience. And the blood is what carries whatever the animal has. And so if you're gonna eat meat, eat kosher meat. And then when you said, they talk about Jesus fed the people fish and he ate the fish, how many times you see that in the Bible? One, <laughs> get your one in, come back and eat the other stuff. And then when you get to the end of the Bible in Revelation, It talks about the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, And I believe that is prophetic, but I also believe it is now because so many of the plant foods that we eat and and the herbs that we grow, the phytochemicals in them literally change the structure. And when you can get black folk to understand that it's what God really wanted for us to do for the best life that we could have, when you read in Exodus, that um when they had just come out of egypt and crossed over Miriam was doing her praise and worship and god said to them if you hearken to the voice of the lord your god do us right in his sight give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, i won't put on you any of the diseases that i put on the egyptians and while in atlanta at morehouse some dude from cdc came over and put up a papyrus during a presentation a physician and it listed all the diseases that the egyptians had mm. diabetes cancer hypertension, all that sort of stuff. So God is literally saying, if you do what I've asked you to do, you won't be sick. And I think for me, as a public health person, the high rates of disease that we see, I believe are such that we have been deceived as to who we really are, whose we are, and what he expects us to do. Eurocentrism has, has done a game on us. And when you look in this Bible where they get white Jesus from, it's an African story. Yeah. So how did we get from eating fruits, nuts, grains, and vegetables in Africa to now that's not what you are supposed to do. And I think, I think there's something about this that is starting to appeal to us as a people. And more and more of us are deciding whether it's for the sake of the animal if I have a disease or you know what I was awakened last night and did my little Bible study and I read that this is what God really wants me to do so that's why I'm giving it up mm-hmm. and I think that that one of the greatest things we see we, we just had a patient in our office who literally he and his wife decided they were gonna make the changes and they have a 25 year old son who has blood clots on insulin and diabetes and they follow a biblical model from the perspective of a priest of the home. And as he's doing, they're going to follow. And they decide to make the changes two weeks ago. The man, the husband's cholesterol dropped. His liver enzymes changed. His kidney disease has reversed and is going in the opposite direction. Wow. He went to the doctor to tell him that he needed to reduce his insulin because at night before he goes to bed now, his blood sugars are at 70 And if he takes the amount of insulin that's been prescribed, he will bottom out and maybe not wake up. So the doctor is having to make these changes. And we, I have noticed that Black folks' bodies respond to me the quickest when they embrace this way of living. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because we've been putting in the wrong fuel. And when you put the right fuel in there, then that motor can hum the way that it's supposed to. And, And literally, He's healing us of all our diseases because we're obeying what he said to do.
1: Yeah, I love that. I really do. And I know you're doing something faith-based with um, Brooklyn uh, Borough President Eric Adams, who is a longtime vegan. Tell me about um, what you guys are doing together.
0: I saw him on an interview talking about he really wanted to reach people of faith with a faith initiative. I reached out. I'm I'm a contributor to his book. And I shared with them what I did in Atlanta, and they said, let's do it. So we literally have kicked off this eight-week faith initiative called None of These Diseases, which goes back to this passage, Exodus 15, 26, where we're walking people through how they can make the changes that are recommended so that they can recover their health. And so for eight weeks, we're, and it's a biblical model, so the title of each class is a Bible text, None of These Diseases, Of These You May Freely Eat. Um, rise and be healed in the name of Jesus, stuff that we're familiar with from church. And then I show them scientifically why it's important to eat a plant-based diet. And for the men, when you talk about erectile dysfunction, and he mentioned that in a recent interview, then everybody is all ears. (laughs) And if they could understand, you know, then they would more than likely do it. So we're doing that for eight weeks. On Thursday night, we do a live cooking demonstration. And on Sunday night, we have a conversation with the doctors called The Doctor Is In and I lined up some plant-based professionals who are black and I was committed to making sure that um, the people that I partnered with were black and brown like me. We have a white patient in the office and I'm like, okay, I don't know, she can handle all this blackness. I'm gonna (laughs) have to dial it back sometime when I see it, but this is what it is. And so we're doing that. We are reading his book as we go through it. And that's available everywhere now. And then the third book that I did, Still Cooking Up Good Health, is an ebook. And literally um, in there are the steps to better health and more recipes and links. And so the course is free, but you have to purchase both the books. And we've got folk who've enrolled and, and are interacting, and you already see and hear relief that this is an answer to prayer for them and struggle because when they mention to their doctors that they're gonna do it, the doctors aren't happy and like um, Eric's mom, the doctor, he dropped her when she said she was gonna do it. So then I'm connecting them with other resources in their community. And I don't know if you saw this on, on Instagram, but about a month ago, Dr. Judy Brangman, the plant-based MD. I just interviewed her. Yeah. Okay, okay. so Judy is a part of this as well. And that literally is an amazing resource. Of of health professionals that we can refer patients to and then sometimes I'm hearing that you know I knew in my gut I wasn't supposed to or I didn't need to yeah and this is the answer that I've been waiting for so I'm thrilled to death about it Um, we have um, uh, engaged um, the AME Church um, a group of non-denominational churches the Seventh-day Adventist Church and we're looking for others to partner with us to get the word out to their people. And right now I'm in conversation with the AMEs. There's somebody that they're believing within their faith who's a popular gospel singer minister that we hope will will help in, in getting the word out to other
1: people. Oh, I love that. So for people listening to this, once, you know, if you're in the middle of this, like can people go back
0: and start from the beginning? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna keep the registration open probably till, like the end of the third week and then we're going to close it because when you're doing something like this the group forms and and then when you bring other folk in it can become challenging yeah, yeah, yeah. but once this is done at the end of the eight weeks we will reoffer it again and the the program is self-paced and so even if a person were to sign on today um, um they could catch up with the stuff because the lessons are self-paced and then if you wanted to you know, come into the lives that we're doing, you could do that too.
1: This is brilliant. I mean, it sounds like, I hope that this is something that you all, once you finish, will do again and again yeah. and again. Okay. Oh yeah. And, and again, when I mentioned before about stress,
0: we didn't know what was going to happen when COVID hit because we're self-employed. Uh, yeah. And we have a house and a mortgage and bills and everything. But God shifted it. And so now I don't have the physical heavy work that we'd had before because i can sit like i'm talking to you and teach people this way and then the reach is different because at the clinic i'm only seeing people locally but now it's such that anyone around the world if they log on can receive this information too so i'm trying to look at that as god redirecting yeah because there's there's so many people jackie who need this information
1: there are i mean it amazes me that you know that that you're I know you can only do so much but it should be on good morning like you should be on good morning America the today show like it's on a regular basis talking about this stuff because it's such important information that people need to hear and it's work I, it works right your story alone um it, it just is proof that it works
0: it works it works
1: for sure yeah
0: and, and I'm happy that this um, medical specialty, lifestyle medicine, mm-hmm. they, they're not playing, and they're letting folks know, and they're opening clinics, and another thing that has happened with COVID is the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine in D.C., Maryland, opened up a clinic, and since COVID, a number of their staff are being licensed in several states so that they literally can have um, telehealth visits with people in other states than Maryland
1: ah. and, and accept insurance. Oh, see, I love that. See, yeah. that's the thing when you're doing it across state lines is insurance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. is there a resource if people don't live in the same, you know, uh, city as you, like, or they're not in Maryland or these other places that they can find someone that's local that can help guide them with this? Look,
0: look I can't remember. There, there there, are three websites, and I can make that available. In the show notes, yeah. But, There are three websites that are pretty much plant-based doctors or plant-based physicians by state and locality. And I I was talking to a woman in Atlanta who I met 20 years ago, and she's now been diagnosed with breast cancer and was looking for that sort of support. And so we were able to pull that up and identify um, plant-based physicians in the metro Atlanta area. So you can go to any of those websites. That's helpful. And if you go... This one, I know for sure, lifestylemedicine.org is the parent organization for lifestyle medicine. And they would also have links there.
1: Okay. And listen, it's the holiday season. is fast upon us. Where can people find your wonderful recipes? Because I know you you got all the... Do you have an apple pie recipe? Yes. It's all there.
0: (laughs) Wait, I got apples here now because it's apple season. And we're making applesauce and apple butter and apple pies, and then for the class a couple weeks ago, we made a smoothie with apples, and bananas, and blueberries, and blackberries, and raspberries, mm-hmm. and just zoomed all that together, and it was absolutely delicious, so yeah, the, um, you can go to our website, lifestyletherapeutics.com, and scroll to the bottom of the page where it says shop for better health, and that'll take you to the page where you can get any of the books. You can also go under, cooking up good health and there's a free download of holiday recipes mm. that are the mac and cheese and the collards and the sweet potatoes and the pound cake and the whip topping. I don't know have you made the whip topping yet?
1: No. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a big sweets person. Like okay. I like real like I like apple pie. I like pound cake with no icing. Okay. Okay. I like okay. chocolate. I'm so particular about stuff, but okay. yeah, you know, I like I am I'm, I'm a savory <laughs> okay
0: okay and that was me i didn't have to do dessert after dinner i get another plate of food i'm like if it's going to be calories it needs to be some calories that are worse that's, me. That's me. The, the, the garbanzo bean whipped topping is amazing literally in the in the um kitchen aid the juice off a can of beans some sugar some cream of tartar and some vanilla and you whip that up and it's literally a meringue that you can bake on on um lemon meringue pie you can use it um to make meringue cookies out of it. it. It's just amazing. They've discovered that the liquid of the beans has a similar property in its protein as what you find in egg white. And so for people that that matters to, that's all in the holiday download.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. I love talking to you so much. I, <laughs> you. I cannot wait to be face-to-face with you. Yes, yes. You know, once COVID is all over, we have yeah, to yeah. But Donna, sure. thank you so much for being my guest on the vegan Sexy i appreciate you so much this has been wonderful thank you thank you for having me well that does it for this episode you have to give donna's home cooking recipes a try and please check out our show notes over on vegansexycool.com for details on donna's books her website, and where you can find her on social media. If you like what you heard here, please leave a comment and tell a friend. And follow us on social media at vegansexycool. Until next time, everybody, stay safe and stay sane.